The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today. Talking the trade with us is Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors of Florida. And Sean, thanks for coming on Final Bell with us today. As we take a look at the closing and settlements on the grain side of things, that's where we'll start. Another day in the red. The uh, Bulls just kind of forgot to come to work this week. The Bears have been in the driver's seat once again. Is today's action a result of that little bit of bump we saw in the corn and soybean ratings yesterday and crop progress? I don't really think so, Clay. I really think the market got real excited last week on the potential for a dome to come in uh, as corn was ready to pollinate here in late July and August, and they were hoping and thinking this could be an extended doming pattern. And then we got, you know, the weather models on Sunday night and Monday morning said, not really, it's going to be a few weeks, and then it's back to cool and wet. And I think today was basically more carryover selling from yesterday's recognition that this is not likely going to be that hot dome of three, four, five weeks during pollination that can dramatically hinder the yield for corn. At least at least not yet. It seems like it's more of a short-term phenomenon, and, and hence the market has taken that weather premium off as quickly as it put it on. And talking about these weather premiums, we've seen them come on, we've seen them go off. Looking at the analog data available to us right now, does 2019 conform to a pattern that we can try to say, okay, it looked like this in 93, we had late pollination, we had hot temperatures, this is what the crop looked like, or is 2019 kind of an anomaly, it's unknown in the choice we cart in how we go forward? I mean, we did, we did an analysis going back to 1902, and we and forensically went over all the available accurate weather data that we could find that would the weather led up to, through, and to here. And while 93 has some similarities, by no means is it a really, really good analog. And the answer is no. We have never seen a weather scenario quite like this one. And so what it means is we're really, it's like Columbus, you know, going into uncharted waters. We don't really know where we're going, what to expect. And so the market keeps guessing and second-guessing and triple-guessing itself. Um, and, and, and because the crop is so late in development, we're really, really just, we're going to continue to see, I think, this schizophrenic trading of putting... 15 cents on, taking it off, because the market's going to be hyper-sensitive to anything that's tipping the scale one way or the other to gain some clarity and to narrow down the scenarios that are in place. But at this point, the field is still wide open to what could happen here, and, and, and that's just the unfortunate thing. We just really don't know, and so we have to keep a very open mind and don't get too bearish or too, too bullish until we get some clear signpost about what's really taking place here right now. And with that is going to become volatility of swinging both directions, depending on that little piece of data that comes out that these market movers, they want to take it in that direction, given that current data for that short period of time. But also we have managed money in today's marketplace. There's a lot of contracts out there. Is this going to possibly cause some swings outside of those possible what fundamentals may say support should be here, resistance should be here? Could we see some curves uh, outside of those thoughts? Well, we know that the algorithmic computer trading uh, funds that are in our markets in increasing, increasing percentages love to break these important resistance and support levels that they know that technicians are using because we know everyone has buy stops or sell stops right below or right above the market, and we've seen a lot of these chart patterns show these false breakdowns or breakouts only to revert back into the pattern and clear everybody out. So the answer is, I think, absolutely, we're going to see more and more of these head takes in both directions until the picture can get more clear. When you're in an environment of uncertainty, it's a 
it's a it's a it's a um, it's a perfect environment for these algorithm traders to overshoot in both directions, and I think that's going to be uh, something that those that are in the markets for hedging and trading have to be very careful and mindful for. And when it comes to hedging, when it comes to that marketing strategy, producers are taking a look at it here, and and I've heard from producers in Kansas, they're in the middle of wheat harvest right now. You know, they're seeing it, and the the previous couple years tell them to maybe shoot for marketing at harvest. But then we we look at the swings we're seeing. We're seeing an anomaly year. Is it one, if you hit your price point, go ahead, try to, to get things moved? Or is this one, sit back, hold neutral, and try to let things level out a bit? Well, when we have a year like this, Clay, that we really, that is really beyond um, serious in terms of the weather that's taking place and, and the implications of what's to happen. I do think you need to be a little more, um, how can I say this? I would be more interested in a year like this to be thinking about laying floors with put options than being aggressive marketers of one's uh, either old crop or new crop. I think in a year that has this much uncertainty, I'd want to keep myself open to the upside should things play out more bullishly uh, than the market is expecting right now and, and something like this um, and, and, and keep that upside open while in case it turns more bearish or something comes along and says things turn out better than we thought at least you know you've locked in a floor that isn't too bad at least the basis the last five or six years so I think if we were ever thinking about when put options would be a great tool to use it'd be in a year like this where there's no analogs and there's tremendous uncertainty to future price but there could be some wild price upward volatility things play a certain way. And Sean, I know you watch a lot of the fundamentals, a lot of the currencies and how they can affect things. Today we see the U.S. dollar kind of taking off. Looks like it's pushing back against the euro and the pound. Is this more currency play or could this spill over into the commodities as well? I mean, look, we've had a persistent, uh, resilient, strong dollar now for a long time. Every time it looks like it's going to break down, it comes rolling back so the Fed a reserve, you know, a few weeks ago said, you know, they're going to lower rates maybe, they're going to be more accommodative, it looks like the dollar was going to weaken, uh, and then now we're getting the dollar rallying back, um, you know, and, and kind of removing most of that goodwill that took place. I think what's going on with the dollar right now, Clay, is there was optimism that this truce between Trump and Z, you know, might lead to, uh, you know, some kind of a move forward on the trade agreement. Uh, the news that we're getting, you know, just in the last three or four days, says that both sides are actually hardening their positions and it looks like that maybe there's no trade deal in sight and no trade deal it has tended to be dollar strong or friendly the dollar going higher and so if that's the case that's not really good news for agricultural prices on a longer term basis and it's something that's going to be a headwind and has been a headwind you know for quite some time. Again, we're talking with Sean Hackett of Hackett Financials Advisors. We come back, we discuss livestock as well as milk prices and other fundamentals in the market. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financials Advisors, is joining us to talk the trade today. Sean, right as we ended our first segment of the Final Bell, we were discussing China and the current negotiations between the U.S. and China. They've started back up, but China's adding it to its trade team roster. Kind of talk to them like a sports team, but they're bringing in their commerce minister. And uh, from what I've seen in headlines, he's kind of a hardliner. Have you heard anything through the wires or uh, what the this could mean for the trade talks? Yeah, he's considered a real hardliner. He's, he's considered to be, you know, one that really wants to, uh, you know, beat back hard and, and, and be a real tough negotiator and give in very little, if not at all. So to have him come in 
uh, to the negotiations for the first time is, is not an encouraging sign that we're going to get a quick resolving of things. On top of it, this whole Taiwan uh, scenario where we've tried to help them with some arms sales, and now the Chinese are going to put sanctions on our firms that deal with that. We're moving further apart, not closer together since the meeting uh, at the G20 uh, you know, meeting, and, and it just seems to me that we're hardening our lines and, uh, and that we're really not moving the ball forward, I think, as we discussed at the end of the last segment, that uh, the dollar is strengthening because of it, and none of this is good for overall pricing for ad markets or commodity markets in general. It's a major headwind. Let's switch over and talk about livestock and the lean hogs. We've seen these the lean hogs really increase their volatility this year, both to the upside and the downside. Is this still, in your opinion, kind of tied to that African swine fever? Talk about things that we've never seen before, right, with the weather. The African swine fever, this map, we've never seen this before. When it first came about late last year, nobody knew what to make of it. And then, you know, we start seeing some Chinese buying and everybody rushed in in euphoria. And then the demand stopped and everybody, you know, kind of left the exits and the market, you know, had a big hit. So the, the problem once again with African swine fever is it's such a massive problem. It's such an unforeseen problem that we never have ever experienced before. We really don't know what is the pathway here. How long does it take before we see U.S. demand for pork really hit it hard and continuous and drive the market higher like they originally anticipated when they ran the market up at the beginning of the year. Ultimately, it has to happen, but the devil was in the details of the timing, and it's been very, very difficult to, to, to figure on that because we just don't have any template or, or instructions of how this is to play out. But nonetheless, it means ongoing volatility in both directions that, as we said, Clay, you know, is an opportunity for buyers and sellers to gain economic advantage if they're paying attention. So, and, and talking about looking at capital flow, I'm sure managed money is seeing a headline like African swine fever, the possibility of China really needing to up their imports. But for that managed money, are they going to have to see data before they'll really push a lot of capital potentially into this market? The answer is, I think, now, yes. They went on faith before and got burned. So this time around, they're going to need to see the, car, you know, the hardcore facts and see the actual numbers, not just for a week or two, but some sustainable numbers that really say that it, it is for real this time so they don't get burned for a second time. So I really do believe you know, they're no longer going to buy on faith. They're going to buy on facts this time around. And that means it may take a little longer to convince them to come rushing back in and drive the hog market up like they did before. Now, Sean, every time we have you on, we've always got to discuss Class 3 milk contracts. Not a lot of brokers wanting to look into that. As we see, though, we've had a nearby high in the Class 3 milk. We've dropped off a little bit from that, but uh, cash must be helping the market out right now. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, after you know, a very, very difficult period for U.S. producers last year and the year before, we finally got the herd down. We finally got production down. Actually, you know, two in the last three months, we had negative milk production in the United States, which is really really unusual and hard to do. And so that's tightened the market up and it's gotten the, the, the cash price and the futures price to you know bump up to the really important key resistance area of 18 um, on the July, August, and September contracts. And now we've started to back off. And we, we actually think we might have made a kind of an interim high here for a little while. We think production in the U.S. is going to start to do better. We've seen some lower prices in Europe and some lower prices in New Zealand. So it looks to us like some demand has been it's pulled back here a little bit, and if the U.S. production can, can normalize, we're probably going to see prices correct. And so we still feel, even though the market's backed off a little, there's a good marketing opportunity for producers to lock in some, some good prices for once and actually you know, make the bankers feel happy about it. So, 
And talking about these Class 3 milk prices, something for our listeners that may not be super familiar with these contracts, these are somewhat low-liquidity contracts so that they don't always have big moves in them, but sometimes there's just not a lot of action here to get those prices one direction or another. I mean, it's unfortunate. You think with a, with, a, with a milk market as big as it is on a global basis that we'd have more liquid open interest on a monthly contract. I mean, most of the contracts that are out there have three or 4,000 contracts of open interest. You know, versus hundreds of thousands of open interest in other, in other ad markets. And so one has to be mindful of the liquidity or the lack thereof and, and understand that the volume in the futures contracts is not as indicative as it can be in more active contracts. Sean, we appreciate all the information that you've garnered for us today. For folks that want to follow back up, they want to talk to you more in depth about how you're looking at the markets and how you can help them manage their risk on their operations. What's the way to go about doing that? I think the best place is just to visit our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have all kinds of interviews and webinars and information on there that they can read to see if what we do might be of value to them. And again, Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. Thank you to Fonnell Hybrids for their support of the final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.